Is there healing? Yes. Amen. God, please heal our soul. May your word be part of that process in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so did you see the title of the sermon today? Donkey Head Tacos. All right. And what else? The manure, cannibalism, leprosy, trampled on, and the good news. So I want you guys to believe that we're going through an action movie. You know, some of the stories in the Bible, they're just like action movies, but with real people. It talks about a real God, real solutions, but it's incredible action in these stories. So there's no reason to get bored when we read the Bible, okay? So let's go to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, and we'll go to the first scene of our action movie. So we have to know the, the context of the story, so we'll go a little bit into that. Uh, but let's go to verse 24. And it came to pass after this, Keep that in mind. If it's saying that happened after this, it's because something happened prior. It says here that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. So this took place after a few years that there had actually been a party, a feast with the Syrian army in Samaria. So I don't know if you guys recall the story. The Syrian army had invaded Samaria, and then Elisha was like really nice and calm, and his servant said, these guys are going to destroy us. We're done. And all of a sudden, Elisha prays to God and says, just open the eyes of my servant. Remember the story? And so God opens the eye of his servant, and he sees all these chariots of fire and, and angels all over the place. He sees the army of God, and then Elisha Pray to God to have all the enemies blinded. So they were all blind all of a sudden. And, and they were led into the city. And the king says, shall I kill them? Because they, they were in his hands, literally. I mean, he, he could just kill them all. And Elijah says, no. Let's have a party. Let's have a feast. Let's give them food. Let's let them know that we're God's people. And so after that, there was peace for a long time. So I don't know why Benadad, you know, later on... Uh, this, this, this king, he goes up against Samaria. We don't know the circumstances of that. But what we do know, in verse 5, it says, And there was a great famine in Samaria. So, who is this king? The king of Syria. His name, Benadad, makes a lot of logic to what's going on. His name is Ben, which means son of Adad, which is the god of the storm for the for the Western pagan cultures in, in, in that area. So he actually brought the storm to Samaria. So he's the son of Enan. He's, he's the son of that West Semitic storm god, very famous. And he brought a siege upon the city. Now, you know there had been famine in other, in other times, like Elijah, three and a half years, there had been a famine. And then in, this, in the next chapter, we have a famine that lasted seven years. But this one was due because of what? Of the siege. They couldn't go out and pick up their crops. There was no commercial going on. There was no commerce going on. Everything was, was gone. The, all the food was almost ending. And so the famine was due because of this siege. Now, let's go to the menu. So if you went to a restaurant, which most of them were closed by then, because there was no food. And so you would go to a restaurant and pick up the, 
the menu and it said there, donkey head taco. Okay, you, you can read it for yourself. I mean, I'm not making this up. It says there, and it came to pass after this that Benedict, king of Syria, gathered his hosts. He besieged Samaria. There was great famine. And then it says, and as his head was sold for four score pieces of silver. Okay, so we have the head of the donkey, which doesn't have much meat, by the way. They probably boiled it and made a lot of broth, you know, and whatever. But uh, it was sold for three pounds of Troy silver. You know how much that would be today? So I, so I went on the internet, you know, you can ask Dr. Google all types of stuff, right? So I said, how much would three pounds of Troy silver be today? $582 with 48 cents. So imagine buying a donkey head to make yourself a taco for over 500 bucks. <laughs> That's crazy. Actually, the, the Message Bible, I know some of you read the, the, the Message Bible, it says there literally the prices of food had skyrocketed. So let's see what else is on, on the menu. It says there in the, the following part of the verse, okay, the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. So, so let, let's backtrack just a little bit. I mean, if it would have been a cow's head, okay, it's clean food. But it was the donkey's head. So they were actually in, 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 in their distress in, in this extreme circumstance, they, they were eating whatever was, was there. I mean, the, their last resort. So they were eating the donkey's head. Ellen White says something interesting in the book Prophets and Kings. He said that the children of Israel had never been in such a tight situation. So just imagine how, how desperate these people were that they were just eating anything that they could get their hands on. So you have the dove's poo-poo selling for about two ounces of silver for about, you know, I looked that up also, so it's about $44.20, okay? So, I mean, that's expensive, you know, just to eat a little bit of, of, of dove's dung. It was about maybe one quart, okay? So it wasn't much, one quart for two ounces of silver. And when I was going through the story, I just said, this is unbelievable, I mean, it's difficult to believe that human beings could reduce themselves to this situation, this terrible straits, as to eat impossible things. It's interesting how Josephus mentions that during the siege of Jerusalem, remember when Titus invaded Jerusalem? He says that the people would go literally to the common sewers to eat. You can imagine what? And they would go also to, the, to where the old dung hills of the cattle was and they would eat the dung that they found there. Scholars have found that in this sieges they would eat rats, they would eat anything, rotten vegetables, whatever was there because when you're in a strange situation like that that you don't have anything to eat, you do extreme things. So let's see what's next on the, on the menu because this, this is even worse. Verses 26 to 30. And as the king of Israel was passing up upon the wall, he was checking things out. You know, uh, how's the Syria, Syrian army doing? You know, what, what's going on? So he's, he's checking things out as the king. There cried a woman unto him, saying, Help me, Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? I mean, what's wrong with you, lady? I mean, 
this is something I can't fix. Yes, I'm the king, but I can't fix this. I cannot fix this. And the king said, maybe out of just mercy or whatever, what's going on? And she answered, this woman, I, I believe she brought her by the hair. Okay, so you just imagine the movie, you know, she, she grabs this lady by the hair and she's dragging this other lady to the king. And she says, this woman said unto me, give thy son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said to her on the next day, give thy son that we may eat him. And then what happened? Huh? Oh, well, the Bible says here that that didn't happen. <laughs> and it came to pass that she said, you know, she hid her son. She hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed up upon the wall. And the sackcloth, you know, the, the, that was something that people would do when they were like repentant. They would, you know, but no, he was doing it just out of this distressed situation. And so here, here we have these ladies eating their kids. And, and actually, I was reading in, the, in, in some of the, the earlier books of the Pentateuch, and in Leviticus 26, 29, and Deuteronomy uh, 28, 53, Moses had prophesied that God's people would, would stray and they would eat their kids. So this is the fulfillment of a prophecy that had been mentioned many, many, many years ago. This prophecy was fulfilled. So I, I just want you to follow me. This is a very tense moment for God's people. They had wandered away from God. The city has been besieged. They're eating donkey tacos, dove poo-poo, and their kids. Terrible situation. But do you think our world today is any better? Do you think that the circumstances in this world are any better? No, remember that this story is about God's people. They were under attack. And today, Satan is attacking God's people like never before. He is using materialism to distract us. Giving us a secular mind. Turning the church into some type of social club for a lot of us. And many times, God's mission is undermined because we are just too busy doing our own thing, that we are literally in famine. It's called spiritual famine. We need God like never before. So let's continue with the story, verse 31 to 33. So the king decides to find some type of a short-term solution. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Verse 31. Then he said, God do so, and more also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. So, so what's happening now? Who is the king blaming? He's blaming Elisha, the servant of God, the man of God. That's the title that they would give to the prophets, the man of God. He said, I got to kill this guy. He's brought all this upon us. We always have to find people to blame for everything. So the king is blaming Elisha, and he says, you know what, I'm going I'm to punish him, I'm going to behead him. 
which was not an ordinary form of punishment among the Jews, but it was, it was very common in, in the neighboring uh, nations. But his heart was filled with such bitterness, such wrath, that Joram now threatened Elisha with this terrible form of capital punishment. So this is it for Elijah, man. This is it. So the story says that he sent someone, okay? He sent a messenger. It says here, uh, he sent a messenger. And he was meeting with the elders. Elijah was with the elders at his home. He was having an elders meeting. And so he was there, you know, speaking and, you know, just trying to figure things out. And, and it says here that God revealed to him what was going on. Look what it says here. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, verse 32. And the king sent a man from before him. So who's coming behind him? The king, right? But the messenger, when he came to him, as he was coming to him, he said to the elders, See how this son of a murderer has said to take away mine head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. It is the sound of his master's feet behind him. So the king was coming right behind him. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? So he was even scared of the message that he was supposed to deliver. So many times in our distress, in our situations that really get us down. We have to find someone to blame. Yeah, it's your husband. He's the problem. Yeah, your mother-in-law. She's the problem, definitely. So we also have to find someone to blame and, 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 and try to punish for our own bad decisions and our own circumstances that we have created many times ourselves. So from there, it takes us to chapter 7, which I love the way it starts, which, by the way, the, the Bible was not written with chapters and verses. That was, you know, a, a, a bishop that did that, a Catholic priest. He decided to organize the Bible, and it was, was, it was worth it because we can find things quickly. But the story continues, so it's not like a separate, a separate story. Chapter 7 just continues, and it starts with something I love. It says, hear ye the word of whom? Of the Lord. Yes, that's what we need today, Lord. We need to hear your word. We need to see what your solution is to our desperate situations. That's what we need. So let's check out God's menu. You remember the people's menu in that circumstance? You know, donkey head tacos and dove manure and kids. Well, God had a vegetarian diet for them. And look what verse 1 says. We're in chapter 7 now. And Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow, about the same time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel. Keep in mind how many shekels did they pay for the dove poo-poo? Five. Five shekels. So this is just one-fifth of what they were paying. But it says a measure. So that was 24 times the amount of dove manure. Okay? So... So this was incredibly cheap. And it says here, a barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria, right there at the gate. So here we have this beautiful promise that God was going to solve their problem. Now, in verse 2, there's an officer that shows up 
Then a master or a lord, some version says, on whose hand the king leaned, <laughs> answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, you know, he's, he's laughing at him, he's, he's ridiculing, he says, Might this thing be? And the prophet answered, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. <laughs> so so this, this, uh, this officer, what, what, he, what he saw was to show how foolish and utterly impossible was the statement that Elisha had made. So his endeavor was to defend the king's position that we could not even trust God. So the scoffer was to be a personal witness of God's blessings. Yet, he was not per, uh, permitted to participate of the blessings that God would bring. Now, now this is a warning for us. I, I think this is a warning for us. Don't put your trust in nobody. Amen. It says here clearly that the king trusted this man. We only need to trust God, folks. We need to trust his word. Look to God for help. Look for God to solve your situations. So don't trust no one. Be careful. If someone wants to discourage you in your faith, get them out of your face. Verse 3 to 9, change of scene. Okay, this is an incredible movie, so we have a change of scene. Verse 3 says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit here and wait till we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine in the city is going to kill us anyway. So why just stay here? We're going to die. Now, therefore, let us go to the host of the Syrians. Let's go to the enemies. And if they save us, hey, good deal. We're alive. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. So they rose up in the twilight, to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the outmost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. No man. For the Lord. Look, look, look how God intervened. When God does things, he does things in amazing and incredible ways. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. There was no chariots. And the noise of horses. There were no horses. Even the noise of a great host. There was no host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians, to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. So these lepers, they come to the camp, they went into a tent, Verse 8, and they ate and they drank and, oh man, they were carrying silver and gold and just a whole bunch of stuff. They went to another tent and did the same. And they were just enjoying themselves. Just like those that come to church for the bread and the fish. Verse 9, and they said to one another, praise God, praise God that he enlightened them. We do not do well. This day is a day of good what? Of good tidings. This day is gospel day. And we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. 
Now therefore come, and may we go and tell the king's household what's going on. Wow, here's the challenge. Folks, church family, we know the good news. We know Jesus saves. We know Jesus loves us. We know that he has forgiven us, that he has given us eternal life. But why do we hold this good news back? If we would just share this, this church would double every single year probably. We have to share the good news. We do not good, do good today. This is a day of good tidings. Can, can we say it together? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. For God so loved the world, let's, let's say it together, that he said he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now repeat this before me. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Now say it to your neighbor. I believe he has saved me. Say it to your neighbor. I believe he has called me to share the good news. Can you repeat that? I believe he has called me to share the good news. Now say it to one in the back of you or in front of you. Now, there are a lot of things that we can do to get the good news out and recognize how God can use us. For one thing, just simple things. I made a list here of just a few things. You can be a glow track missionary. You can get like three glow tracks that talk about doctrine and three that talks about health, you know, just regular things, you know, of life. And give two of those to someone in the street and say, you know what? This will enlighten your day. This is going to be a blessing. And just give them two tracks, one that's doctrinal and there's one that's not so specific that may talk about prayer or, or diabetes or whatever. Okay? And let God use that. God can use our publication to transform lives. Or you can just uh, give out our church information card. We have a little card with a, a Jesus in front with a cross, and it says it's time to seek the Lord. Give that card out to your friends. Invite a friend to church. I mean, how easy can that be? And they might come to church not because they want to know our doctrine. They're going to come to church just because they're your friend. Take a relative to a small group. And something that we all can do, we can pray for the lost. But not just any lost. Make a list of those people that you know that you want to see in heaven. And intercede for them every day. And you will see what God can do. And what God will do through you. Now, the last scene is verse 10 to 17. So let's go real quick there. And so they came and called upon uh, the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there. Neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents were there. And they called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night. So this news got there in the twilight, remember, still dark. And he said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. And they know that if we go out to the camp, they have hidden themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we will catch them alive and get into the city. 
So he still doesn't believe that God is working. And one of the servants answered and said, Mira, look, let's just take, I pray thee, five of the horses, which I don't know where they had hidden them because it's the horses that remain. Okay, so all the other horses had already been eaten. Okay, so let's take five of the horses that remain left in the city. Behold, there are as all of the multitudes of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. And then it says, let us send and see. I mean, what's the deal? King, let's just take a few people out. I mean, we're not just going to open the door and have everybody go. Just, just someone to check it out. If they die, you know, whatever. Favorite word of the adolescent. Whatever. So they took, therefore, two chariots, verse 14, with the horses, and the king sent these folks after the host of the Syrians, saying, go and see. And they went. <laughs> and they went all the way to the Jordan. So that means they had, they, had, they had already gotten pretty far away by then. And all the tents were full of garments, vessels. The Syrians had cast away in their haste. The messengers returned and told the king. And now verse 16, I love this because Ellen White says in, in, in Prophets and Kings that one, once again, God manifested his power, his glory, that the nation could know that he was the only true God. And, and look what it says here. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of God. God said it and he did it because he never fails. He does what he says he's going to do. And the king appointed that person he trusted. <laughs> he appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge at the gate. Yeah, you're going to make sure that no one steals. Everyone pays. But he died because the people trod upon him at the gate. As the man of God had said. As the man of God had said. The word of God will come to pass, folks. If you ignore it, if you don't ignore it, whatever you want to do with it is going to come to pass. Matthew 24, 14 will be fulfilled. And Jesus will come again. But Jesus wants us to be part of the story of salvation of this desperate world. Yes, this desperate world that the only thing they're eating is donkey head tacos, dove poo-poo, and cannibalism. They're eating each other up. That's why we have all this drug addicts and all these people that are hating and, and, and racism. And that's why we have this world of suffering and pain and bad decisions and divorce. That's the menu of this world, a desperate world. But we do not do well if we keep the good news to us. Matthew 24, 14 will be fulfilled with you or without you. But if it's with you, ha, glory be to the name of God because he wants to use us. He wants us to be his instruments of peace as we go out and share the good news. So I, I have an altar call as we prepare to sing our closing hymn.
we realize the situation of this world. This world is under a siege from Satan. And there is famine in the land. There are people out there that are starving to death because they haven't been fed the word of God. There are people out there that are desperate and they're just waiting for someone to give them the good news. Ellen White says in one of her writings, if I'm not incorrect, it's in early writings at the end where she says, or no, Christian service at the end, by the last chapter, she says that there are people with tears in their eye, looking unto heaven and saying, Dear God, send someone to me to tell me the good news. And after that, she says that when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see all those folks that because of something you did, because of something you said, because of something they saw in you, they're in heaven. And they will look you up. And that incredible picture that, 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 that is represented in that passage of Ellen White in that paragraph, she says those people will look us up and they'll hug us. And they'll say, thank you. Thank you just for giving me that glow track. Thank you for inviting me to that series of meetings at your church or to the small group. Thank you just for giving me that encouraging word that changed my life. How many of you, like these lepers, want to change your mindset? And say, God, we're not doing good. This is a day of good news. We're going to go and tell the good news. Is there anyone that wants to stand up and say, God, use me. Change me. Allow me to see people saved by your grace because of something you do through me. I don't want them to keep eating donkey head tacos or dove manure. I don't want these folks to be eating each other up. I want you to change their lives. Use me. Anyone want to stand up? Can you come forward? I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. This is a special time of prayer. So just, just come over here and I want to pray for you. If you want God to use you, He can use you in many ways. He can use you in simple ways. He can use you in amazing ways. It doesn't matter how God wants to use you. Just allow Him to do what He wants to do in your life. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, a pastor. He's the pastor of the Mesquite Church. We went to visit the building that they just bought. They're fixing it. They have the inauguration, the, the last Sabbath of this month. And so we were talking about witnessing and, 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 and missionary work. And, and he said something that, that struck me, a very powerful uh, thing that he mentioned. He said, when we do not share the good news, it's because of our own insecurities. It's because you're not even sure you're saved. It's because of the insecurity that we may not have been forgiven for something we did in the past. When we're not sharing our faith, it's because of the insecurities that we're not living the Christian life and reflecting the character of Jesus. That's why we can't tell a co-worker to come to church because we have been mean to them. Oh, but if we just put ourselves in the altar of service, and say, God, just change me first. Make me different. So that when people listen to me, when they see me, when I do anything, they can see Jesus through me. The good news is not the Sabbath or not eating pig, about tithing. All that is important as a lifestyle, as a Christian lifestyle. No, but 
The good news is that Jesus saves. That his grace is abundant and that he can still reach the worst of the worst. God is calling on you to share the good news. Is there anyone else that wants to stand up and say, Lord, yeah, I'm a leopard. I don't know how long I got left, but just like those lepers, I cannot keep silent. I will speak up and I will tell people that Jesus loves them. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Is there anyone else that wants to stand up and join us for prayer? Let's pray. Dear God, you are an amazing God. We are evidence of how amazing you are because we are here today praising your name, worshiping you. We are here recognizing that you are our creator, God, that we live and breathe through you. Our sins have been forgiven and we have been set free. But we can't keep that blessing to ourselves. Oh, no. We need to go out there and tell our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, what an amazing God you are. And what you are willing to do for them. Dear God, as we commit ourselves, as this beautiful group of children of yours have made the decision that your will be done through them. That they can be living witnesses of your grace and your love that we can see many souls reached for your kingdom that we can see many more baptisms in our church and people that will join us as we get together to worship and to prepare ourselves for the coming of jesus christ dear god thank you for this action movie in the bible that illustrates very clearly what our world is like but it also tells us that your word will be fulfilled. Jesus will come and all pain and sorrow will end. All tears will be washed away and we will live in the presence of Jesus Christ forever and ever. We ask all this and we pray these things in his name. Amen. God bless you. You can take your place and we'll sing our closing song.